it's important. The, the Bible leads us to do this, God's word, the words of Jesus, to slow down and remembering, remember the suffering of Jesus and what he went through to save us. I'm so thankful that Jesus was willing to sacrifice his life to satisfy our sin problem. And when we say that he satisfied it, he didn't just cover it over through his blood that was shed on the cross. Jesus satisfied our relationship between us and the Father by taking away our sins. And in that, we can see that even through pain, God is providing us a way to be with him forever. I pray that gives you hope today in the midst of what we're talking about. That God never uh, lets pain go without a purpose. But why would God allow that type of suffering to fall on anyone, let alone his son? At, at times I've wondered why God would allow suffering to come on anyone that he loves. When we ask for questions, can I ask those questions? Uh, the, a reoccurring question of some type began to come in like this, about this matter, about pain and suffering. Questions like, why is there so much hurt? Why do kids get cancer? Why do bad things happen to good people? Is my pain punishment for something that I did wrong from God? Why is the world so divided? Why is the world so full of evil? There are so many things that can trigger those type of questions in the world we live in. Maybe things like this have made you ask questions like this that, that I believe God can most certainly handle. Uh, maybe you're going through a hard time right now with a spouse, a child, or a parent. Maybe some of you have went through some tragic loss this year, more than one of them. Maybe you have a chronic pain or, or you've lost a loved one. With all of those things, with all the things that I know many of you are going through that, that have been brought before me and we pray about, with everything that we see on the nightly news that's a mess, it comes to this question, if God is so good, why are things so bad? I've kind of uh, blended all the questions that have been presented uh, so far from you, and I thank you for them, and we've brought up this question. If God, if you're so good, why are things so bad? I, I think it's a fair question. In fact, questions of suffering are often the greatest questions that challenge our faith and ability to trust Christ. David struggled with this. Uh, over the last seven days, we, this will be the third time that you have heard this passage. Last week we shared it in this idea uh, that David was prophesying what Jesus himself would say. Today, Ben just shared with you before communion that David really had these concerns. And here's what David writes in Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. Uh, David here is saying, God, I'm going through so much pain, I don't hear an answer from you, yet I know that you are holy and you are deserving of praise. Uh, David feels this tension. Jesus cried those same words. Maybe you feel a lot like David in this moment. You're a little confused. Because the more you actually try to trust God, the more uh, it seems like the world throws junk at you and, and you begin to go through even more problems and great pain. The more you try to trust Jesus, the more bad things happen. And you have learned over time, and it's true, that trusting Jesus is not an insurance policy against tragedy. 
Let me just let you know this. If you're considering trusting Jesus and giving your life to him, there is no uh, protection against the, the, the pains of this world in that moment. Accidents will still happen. The unwanted divorce will still go through at times. The cancer uh, may still come back. The job search may still continue. The hurt of a friend will still really hit hard. The, the chronic pain may not uh, re relent. And yes, there will probably be another strand of COVID identified. The world in which we live in is messed up. So it leads us to ask that question again. God, if you're so good, why are things so bad? Don't you wish we had another question to answer today? Jesus spoke right to the reality of this truth, though, in John 16. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. We want to be real here. Thank you for the questions. I want to be real with you today. Jesus is real with us always. He says, in this world that we live in now, at this present time, it's going to be full of trouble. And the Greek word for this is not just a simple trouble. It's not like the fact the car won't start. Or the fact you're out of milk at home, oh, there's trouble. No, th this word here carries with it this idea of affliction, of tribulation, of persecution. In our text for today, uh, if you're reading with me through John, and I, I encourage you to jump on board even today. Today we're in John 7. I was reading through it this morning, and here's what Jesus says in John 7, 7. He says, yes, the world hates me because I have declared that their works are evil. Jesus says in John 7, 7, the works of the world are evil. But why? Jesus, if you know this, and you know these pains are coming, if there's anyone that could have the power to push them away, it's you. So why don't you, Jesus? And that is the question that some of you have. If there are no answers, if we don't rest with this, if Jesus knows this and he has the power to do something about it, but he doesn't, I don't know if I can trust him. And it keeps your faith from growing. A lot of what we see in the Bible, what we know about faith makes sense. But if God isn't any better at keeping his people safe, then I don't know if any of us can trust him. That's a fair question. But this is not new. This struggle is not new. It's, it's all throughout God's word. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that sin enters into the world. And pain starts with childbirth and labor. And then we see all through uh, the, the, the story of the Israelites uh, leaving Egypt and wandering in the desert. There's pain after pain after pain. And, and then when they become a nation, they begin to, uh, at times to be overcome because of the sin in their life. And Psalm 22 and Psalm 42 are great examples of, of the psalmist declaring, God, I don't know if I can make it another day. And we see the book of Job, the entire book of Job, dedicated to the reality that sometimes people that are just receive unjust pain and suffering. Many of the prophets cried out about their mistreatment to God. In the New Testament, we see um, the apostles and the disciples uh, having so much pain. They went through persecution even to the point of death because of their falling of Christ. Many of you, I, I know firsthand as I look around the room, as I watched you come in today, there's pain in your life. There's problems. And sometimes it makes me wonder, God, if you're so good, why, is, why are things so bad? And when it's just a theoretical question, we can go through God's word and find theology that can justify it. But here's the reality. The longer I've been a pastor, the longer I've been a father, and many of your friends, the more I realize this is not a theoretical question. It's not just about theology, about how this could happen between good and evil. The reality is this is very personal. 
God has allowed us to be in a position where things don't make sense. It's messy, and it just can't be a, theo- a, a, a theoretical answer. We, we need to, to really have a, a personal answer that your faith can be grounded on and, and go through these pains with Christ. So today I ask you to journey with me as we answer some of these questions that are related to this question. God, if you're so good, why are things so bad? Because I don't want you to get stuck there. While it's God can handle that question... That's not where we need to live as his children. And if you're uh, wanting your faith to grow, if you're considering taking a step of faith, there are real answers that we can find in Scripture you can apply to your life. Here's the first question I want us to to wrestle with. Why did God create such a painful place for us to live? He didn't. If you look to uh, Genesis uh, chapter 1, look what it says. God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. When God created the world, it was perfect. That was his desire. He did not create a place that was uh, messy and, and full of pain and full of suffering. And some people say, well, why would God have created it this way? He didn't. God created it absolutely perfect. Think about it. When God created the world, there were no tears, no taxes, or no bad time day TV programs, okay? There was no problems, pain, or political parties. Can I get an amen? There was uh, no killing. There was no cancer. There was no COVID. When God created things, it was perfect. He had a perfect plan. And the, the, the beauty of it is we were going to be with him in perfect harmony forever. And then we know the reality, and we're not going to even spend much time with this today, but sin entered into the world. You're like, I know, I know about sin and Adam and Eve and and God uh, said, hey, everything's different now. But it leads to the first reality that we need to wrap our brains around. God did not create things with pain, but often we bring pain, pain upon ourselves. Bad things are caused by our own sin. That's the first thing I want us to acknowledge. Oftentimes, we go through pain and problems because of our own choices. Some of it, but not all. Uh, many of you have pain for other reasons, but, but oftentimes, I have to admit, in my own life, uh, things can go pretty well, and guess what? Tyson messes it up for himself. I've gotten pretty good at, at bringing pain to my own life. Now, this is not the same discussion of this. This is a whole different question. Does sometimes God punish me because of my sin? The answer can be yes. God sometimes will discipline us or punish us or let us go through problems that he may even uh, put upon our lives because we have rebelled and he's trying to bring us back to repentance. But more times than not, I found it has nothing to do with punishment. It just makes I I make a, a, a stupid or selfish choice and there's painful consequences. For example, if I would go on a drinking bench this afternoon... And I want you to know, this is, this is one of my uh, favorite testimonies. You may look at me, that's strange. strange. I've never consumed alcohol in my life. But let's say today I would choose to rebel against what I believe God would have me to do, and I would become totally uh, plastered and wasted and, and pass out trying to avoid the problems of this world and just get through another day. I would wake up tomorrow with the natural consequences of a headache, and my rear end would be sore because Tiffany would have kicked me out on it, okay? That would just be a natural consequence of what happened. It wouldn't be a punishment from God. Or what if I neglect my wife? What if I begin to disrespect our marriage and our vows? It would be a natural consequence that our marriage would fall apart. Or what if I mistreated my kids and I 
quit showing them any love or interest or support, it would be a natural uh, conclusion that there would be a day where they would say, Dad, we don't want anything to do with you because you have neglected us for years. That would just be a natural process of of selfish and sinful choices. It would be the consequence. Uh, We need to understand that a lot of times bad things happen because of our own personal sin. It's very likely that some of you have had a rotten week and it's all because of what you did. I've had those weeks. But sometimes that's not the cause of pain. Pain can also, or bad things are also, can be caused by the sin of others. And I'm sorry about that. But there's times when bad things happen because someone else has done something terrible. Maybe someone you love or yourself was hit one day by a drunk driver. You in no way, shape, or form had any wrong actions in that, but yet your life or their life may have been overwhelmed or even caused death. Maybe you've had your home robbed or your identity stolen and it caused great financial hurt of really no fault of your own, and yet you're still struggling to come out of that that terrible decision that someone made to steal what was rightfully yours. And it was wrong, and I'm sorry. Oftentimes, pain comes from others. But there's another place where pain can come from. Pain and bad things are caused by Satan. You need to hear this. You need to know this. Sometimes we live in a world where it's all natural. We, we think where everything literally has a natural cause and effect, and it's all based on a human physical sense. We live in a very spiritual world, still, where Satan and his demons are, are roaming this world right now, looking to seek and devour, to kill, uh, steal, and destroy your life and your family's life and your ch- child's life, and he will do whatever it takes to destroy you and bring suffering and bad things to your life because he despises anyone having anything good that he doesn't have. And sometimes we need to understand where he is and what he's doing. Jesus says Satan has come and his main goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to bring an end to our relationship with God and one another. This is why Peter says this in 1 Peter 5. Be alert and a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. A lot of times we'd like to think Satan is in hell. Do you know where the Bible teaches Satan really is? And I had to be reminded of this week. We, we see in Tom and Jerry cartoons, we see in movies that Satan is lurking in hell and he's, he's hanging out there with fire. That's where he's headed, but he's on earth right now, very much alive and active and seeking someone to destroy. I don't want to give him more honor or any glory that he doesn't deserve, but we have to understand, if you try to handle him on your own, you will be overwhelmed. So that is why we have to cry out in the name of Jesus uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit and say, in in the name of Jesus, by the blood of what he's done for us on the cross, Satan, you have no place in my life, my family's life, or this church. And then we can make our stand to be very alert. So don't leave here scared, but leave here understanding your opportunity to overcome the bad things that Satan wants to do to your life is found only through God's power through Jesus in your life. So let's pray about it. I encourage you to pray about it. Father in heaven, uh, we are not overwhelmed by the power of Satan through you. Father, we know that bad things happen because he causes so much death and destruction and division. Father, but in the name of Jesus, through his blood, we, we proclaim that we are more than conquerors through what you've done for us because of your love for us. Let this church and these families and these individuals make a stand against the devil's schemes and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bad things happen, and they're caused by Satan. You can get a glimpse of that through the book of Job. 
If you're like, well, what does the Bible teach really about how that works? The Bible says in Job that Satan was uh, going to and fro from the earth, and he, he saw Job, and he's like, hey, uh, God, uh, this, this one faithful person of Job, the only reason he's faithful is because he got all these things. And God says, hey, you can do whatever you want to do to Job, but just don't take his life. And Satan takes him through the ringer. But you can continue to look through the Revelation. And there will be a day that Satan is no longer allowed to have any place, any domain other than the pits of hell and the abyss. And God is going to, to uh, limit him, him to the abyss and he will be chained there and never to, to, to roam again. That day is coming. And he knows it. That's why he's so frantically trying to divide us and bring pain to our world. Bad things also, though, come out of our corrupt creation. Just our creation is messed up. We, we can see that in so many things that are just going awry. But, but God tells us through his word to Adam, he, he tells to Adam, this is really what's going to happen because of sin. Look what he says in Genesis 3. Cursed is the ground because of you. He says, because of what you've done, because of your rebellion, you, you should have stayed faithful, you should have trusted me. Cursed is everything that now you touch on earth, the ground and everything, because of what you've done. Through painful toil you will eat food, from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and for dust you'll return. God gives us the reality of, of the struggle of farming even today. There's always going to be these new plants and these, these new uh, weeds and thistles that are going to spring up to, to even take away our ability to live and have food. He says it's going to be an ongoing struggle. Everything is cursed in creation because of this. Many of you know the realities of this. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. It's the same concept. Uh, the groanings uh, that we see in Genesis 3 uh, also appeared all the way to Romans 8 to today, and they're only going to intensify. Jesus talks about his second coming, and he says there's going to be these birth pains, and the things of this world are going to intensify. They're going to increase, and you can know uh, that I'm about ready to return when things continue to get more and more messy, more and more intense. The world we live in is going to produce more droughts and floods and tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes, famines. The air is going to be polluted. The water is going to be contaminated. The weather is going to be affected. Our bodies are going to be susceptible to disease, to germs, to cancer, and to COVID. Let this not be a surprise. Uh, Paul talked about it. Uh, Genesis 3 talked about it. Uh, Jesus talked about it. And you know what we would say often? It's not fair. God, if you're so good, why are things so bad? This is not fair. And it's not fair. I was talking to my dad about this message. He's been interested uh, about what we, we are answering the questions each week. And, and I said, Dad, we're talking about this week that, that if God is so good, how are things so bad? It just doesn't seem right. That's a fair question. And he reminded me of what Jesus said in Matthew 5. Jesus says, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The life that we think we can put in categories and this is how it should be is nothing, nothing like what we would think. In the early 80s, my grandfather and father uh, were farming and they were in southern Indiana. My, my grandpa uh, uh, began to farm some in Missouri, so he went from southern Indiana, crossed over Illinois to Missouri, and that summer, uh, it was a terrible summer for growing, and there was a blight and, and a drought, and 
we pretty much lost the farm. It was the end of our farming as a family. And I look back and I was like, it's not fair. The, the rain that same year uh, fell on people that didn't deserve to have anything, and yet they've been blessed. I want you to know whether you're blessed or you're not blessed. The reality is Jesus is saying, hey, life is not fair. The world we live in is messed up. God, if you're so good, then why are things so bad? That, that's where our heart will take us. That was what was happening here in Luke chapter 13. There were some people that were coming before Jesus. They're like, hey, this is not right. There are people, good people dying. Uh, they were these Galileans. Look what it says. Uh, there were some present at the very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. This is a weird story. This would have made the headlines that, that people were like, did that really happen? So what happened was, uh, for some reason, Pilate had some good Galileans put to death, and he took their blood, and he mingled it with the sacrifice of the religious people of that day uh, uh, to make a, 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 a sacrifice to the gods or to the God. But he was like, hey, we're going to mix all this different blood. And here's one thing I, I was like, why is this in here? One truth we can know about this, it doesn't have to go to the main point, but we just need to be aware of this. When the government gets mixed up in worship and religion, it gets messy, and it's a disaster. We, we need to make sure as Christians that we're following the word and our personal convictions that come from God, not by what a person like Pilate would say because he's going to start mixing things together like he wants. And, and what a tragedy. He, he kills innocent people and mingles their blood with the sacrifices. And Jesus answered them, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? So Jesus is like, hey, let's look at the big picture. Were these people who were slaughtered and had their bloods mixed with the sacrifice, were they worse than everybody else in Galilee? And Jesus says, no. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will also uh, likewise perish. And he goes on to talk about another hot topic of the day. He says, or those 18 whom the power of Siloam fell on and killed them. Do you think they were, were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? He says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent you will all likewise perish. Here's what Jesus is saying. The people who died from the tower that fell and the people that were slaughtered by Pilate, they were not killed or went through the suffering because they were extra sinful. No, they are just going to face death like everyone else. And unless you're ready, there is no hope. He says, you need to repent and be ready. It's not like these people are extra wrong. This type of uh, perishing is going to happen to all of us. Jesus didn't explain why these terrible things happened. He just wants us to repent and be ready, each and every one of us. And right here, before we shift to a positive thing, that's what I'd like to share with you. Don't be surprised when tragedy happens, but are you ready? Have you repented? Have you, have you trusted in Jesus? In life that this world makes no sense, it's not fair. Uh, we need to trust Jesus who has covered our sins even though we deserve to pay for them. We don't have to. That's not fair. Have you repented? Are you ready? But Tyson, I'm still, I'm still lost in this. If God is so good and all-knowing, why did he even start this in the first place? Didn't he know Adam and Eve were going to rebel? Yes, he did. did didn't he know that there would be a time when the church would make a mess of things in this century? Absolutely. Didn't he know all the, the pain that was coming? Yes. So then why did he create the world? Man, I don't know the answer to that question. But it's a good question. Honestly, the only perspective I have that makes any sense at all is from the perspective of as a parent. 
Raise your hand if you're a parent or a grandparent. Okay, with confidence, okay? And there you go. Parents unite. If you're a parent, you might have some perspective on this. Why would God have created this world knowing how bad it was going to be? When Before you had kids, even before you got married, you were maybe considering getting married or maybe having kids, and then you took a step towards having kids, you're like, okay, God, bless this. Hadn't you seen a child before, a kid? Well, my point is, uh, we uh, will accept the, 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 by faith the idea of having a child when we know how messy and ugly and, and weird they are at times. The, the reality is, uh, as parents, uh, it's not a surprise that our kids are going to have problems. I mean, Tiffany and I, before uh, we had Dawson, we had been in children's ministry and student ministry for like two years. We knew what was coming. What were we thinking? We knew there was going to be hurt and heartache. We knew there'd be broken bones and bad attitudes. We knew the risk. Why on earth would we take the chance? Because we had seen really amazing parents do an amazing job raising kids and still see kids rebel. Why would anyone take that risk? Why would God uh, go down the road of creating everything knowing how bad things are going to be? If you're a parent, that's kind of what you did. I mean, think about all the scraped knees, the broken hearts, the evil threats that come into their minds from Satan. And yet, I would ask you, you would, you would probably want to consider, is it worth it? You know what I would say? Yes. Now, we can't always say that on the same day, okay? There's days where you're like, oh, is this really worth it? The answer is Yes. Sure, there's risk of raising a child, but the relational reward of knowing someone and being fully known, uh, all, the, all the ugliness and all the pain, and then when you really know someone and, and you unconditionally love them, that's what makes it all worthwhile. That unconditional love is truly amazing that you can have for a child and the child can have for you. Over Christmas break, uh, Daly and I spent some more time reading uh, for Christmas, she got this really cool thing. It's like almost a, a half of an egg that is suspended by this metal rod that hangs over her room. It, it's suspended about five foot in the air. And uh, it's kind of like this uh, suspended pod that she could get in and hang out in. And uh, I'm lucky because the weight limit's 300 pounds, so I can get in there too. So Daly and I both get in this pod and we'll read together. And, and it's only about three foot around in diameter, so it's tight. I'm reading, we got the LED lights on above my head and it's all zipped up and it's kind of getting uh, immediately warm in there and it's, it's a really cool setting, but she's right on top of me. And I, so I'm reading this book recently and, and I can tell she's not paying attention to the book. So I turned to her and her face is like right here. And, and I said, Daly, what's going on? She said, dad, what is that? <laughs> I said, that's, that's, that's my mole. She said, oh, I, oh, how long have you had it? And I said, my whole life. And she said, oh, and, and she takes her little bitty fingers and they get little bitty nails and she just starts pulling at that thing like she could take it off, you know. She's amazed by this. And then she says, Dad, um, that's kind of weird. And she says, but Dad, I still love you. <laughs> Thanks, Dale, I love you too. But in that, in that weird story, you can catch a glimpse of the unconditional love between a parent and a child. Man, I, I would have countless stories of that. You might say, is it worth the risk? Yes. And God would even say more when he sees us run to him, especially when we're hurt, when we're confused. So my question is, are you going to affirm his, I think his, his ability to, to, to take a risk on you to know that the relationship is worth it? Because it will be worth it for you. 
Man, I'm so proud of you when you run to him. I can't help but think of the Marty family. I believe you're probably watching online. Joe and Rachel, Natalia and Taylor, we are so thankful for you being a part of the church family. Um, They are a blessing. You might know the family uh, as the Taylor Tough family. Uh, Taylor has been in a battle with cancer uh, well before COVID. He, he was, he's been battling cancer, and the family has been going through this for a while now, and they are just doing tremendously well. I was talking to Rachel this week. We can pray for Taylor. He's changing some meds, I understand, and there's always a, this battle of uh, what to do next and how much to proceed, how aggressive to be. But one, one thing that I've been amazed by them, in the midst of them coming to trust Jesus more, they've been tested. Just before Taylor was diagnosed with uh, this tumor that they first knew of, I was talking to them right in this uh, alley or this aisle of the, the sanctuary. It was after vacation Bible school. Taylor was a real little guy, and he had begun to have headaches. And we were talking about those headaches, and we didn't know what they were. What was interesting, they had just really taken a big step of faith to come back to Vacation Bible School to get their kids involved, and they knew they wanted their family to be more grounded in God's Word and their, their trust in Him. And then this stuff happens. What, what's, what's, what's the deal, God? Uh, this family is wanting to move forward and you allow this kind of thing to happen? What's the purpose? What's your plan? Rachel recently shared this on social media from a friend. These are the words of a friend that she has identified of a great testimony. Rachel shares, God specializes in using broken people for his glory. So don't you dare let the world tell you that what you have to, to give the Lord isn't enough. All he wants from you is your surrendered heart and your willingness to be obedient to him and his call in your life. There is no doubt in my mind that even though I don't always understand it, there is a purpose and a divine purpose. Every life has a purpose. Some lives are fairly easy. Some lives are filled with struggle after struggle after struggle. And you want to fill in the blank after struggle after struggle after struggle. I hope you get my point. But but you are here for a reason no matter how broken you are. And I would say this to Taylor and the Marty family, your purpose among our church family is high. In this community, you have been an an inspiration uh, to what it means to persevere during tough times. And we want to give God praise and glory for your testimony. Let's let's praise him for that. I also want to pray for them right now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for Taylor. Father, I thank you so much for their testimony of perseverance and and praise to you. Give Joe and Rachel strength today as they navigate uh, the doctor's plans and and continued medical uh, uh, just pursuit. But we also ask for your miraculous hand to come on Taylor and continue to bless him. Give Natalia also joy and peace as she uh, thrives as a young woman and continues to grow and be a great sister. Father, we thank you so much. Taylor and his life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I also want to know, I'm, I'm proud of you. I could go around the room as I watch you come in, like I said today, uh, there are people going through great pain and great sufferings, but you are here, you're seeking God, and, and you're desiring uh, to grow in the midst of the struggle. That's what it's all about. Uh, this past Wednesday, we met with the new elder group, and you know what we did the first 45 minutes of our time together? We prayed for you. We had a list of people, uh, 12 or 15 long, that currently have COVID. We had a a list equally as long that have cancer. We we had another list of about 15 people that just had other uh, situations that we lift up to God. And I want you to know the elders, the shepherds of this church, pray for you often. 
We only did one other matter of business that entire Wednesday night. I'm so thankful that that you are not giving up. Don't lose hope. Even though you're suffering, even though things aren't fair, God is going to bless you. I have to believe that. It's personal. It's not just theoretical. It's not just theology. It's real. I thought this week of some times in my life where our family was tested. And honestly, in comparison to a lot of things we've been praying for, my life's pretty easy. But I want you to know there have been broken bones, hospitalizations. There have been burns. There have been heartache. There have been death of loved ones. There have been a hope for life that was never realized. That's painful. There has been plenty of heartache. There have been times, though, just a few times, I've said, God, what are you doing? Why have you, why have you left us alone? Why have you turned your back on us? There's a handful of times. One of those times was in 2010. It started out like an amazing day. Uh, we had moved to our new house. Uh, we had moved from a, a house of about 1,100 square feet with one bathroom. Uh, and we kind of outgrew that with four in the family. Okay, that were, and So we moved to a house and it had a basement. The boys were excited about the basement instead of crawl space. One of the things we were going to do in the basement was put up a basketball goal. Not just like a Nerf goal, but we bought this uh, full-size basketball goal that was made for outdoors with a a breakaway rim that the boys could hang on. Uh, And I was like, hey, the the youth group's going to come over. I've got to make this thing extra sturdy. The boys weigh 50 pounds now, but I'm going to have like 200-pound boys dunking on this. So so I I bought four-by-four posts to tie into the foundation and the floor joists of the the ceiling above. And we're going to make this thing secure. So I gathered all those supplies there in the back of the truck, and I got home from work, and I said, boys, uh, help me bring that stuff down. I'm going to get a snack, and then we'll put that up. And they were excited. So the boys start grabbing all the wood, the 4x4s and the bolts and, and the tools, and they head downstairs. Declan at the time was five in preschool still, but he was going to keep up with the rest of the boys. So he grabbed this 4x4 post. You know, it was probably six foot long. I was going to cut it in half. And So can you imagine coming through the first the the garage door, you hit this side, and then he turns, hits this side, and then he goes in the hallway, hits this side. It was a mess, okay? He starts going down the stairs, takes a couple steps, and then you hear it. His head is hitting the stairs without any padding, and that 4 by 4 post is bouncing around the stairwell and hitting him in the head as he tumbles down the stairs. No one saw it, but we all heard it. And if, you, if you're a parent or grandparent, you know this. Once a fall like that happens, what do you do? I, I don't go running at first. I've got four boys. I'd be running all the place. I wait and see the response. Are they going to cry? Are they okay? You know, if they're okay, you don't even go see them. you just like, oh, it's fine. But if they cry, you go meet their attention. But instead of just hearing a cry after this fall, there's a horrifying scream. Not only from Declan, but from the other boys who, who saw him tumble out at the, end of the, at the end of the stairwell. So I run downstairs, and not sure what's going to happen, I, I know I probably, looking back on I should have let him lay there and assess his neck and look at all the, the things. But I pick him up as carefully as I can, and I go back up the stairs with him, and I'm holding him on the couch. And I'm pretty nervous now, because you can already see a, a bump on the head, and, and you can tell he's, he's really nervous, and he's panicked, and he's uh, just uh, kind of out of control. And then he starts saying this to my surprise. He says, Dad, why'd you turn off the lights? Uh, turn on the lights. I said, Declan, we're in the living room. The lights are on. And I realized before he says that what's happened, he can't see. And then he says, he says, Dad, I can't see. I can't see anything. I, I can't see, Dad. I can't see. And I begin to wonder if as he tumbles down the stair, if maybe he's hit an optic nerve or something and he is going to have a a loss of eyesight forever. So quickly, uh, based on the concussion and the fact that he cannot see, we rush him to the hospital. 
and I am confused. I don't understand what's going on. It, nothing is making sense. I don't know if you've ever been there, that moment in your life where you're like, this doesn't make sense. God, what are you doing? And the whole time there, uh, about every 30 seconds, he'll just cry out, and we're holding him. Tiffany's holding him and saying, we're here. Uh, we're talking to him. And he's like, I can't see. What do you need at that moment? The only thing we could provide is tell him that we're there. He's not alone. And that's one thing I want you to know that God's telling you right now. No matter how messy your life is, no matter how confused you are, here's God's first statement to you through his word that I want you to know. I am with you. You're not alone. Maybe you can't see through the mess of the, the pain and the suffering. Maybe you have no idea when, when it's finally uh, going to resolve. But God is saying, I am with you. Here's the scripture that I want you to uh, take hold of. In Deuteronomy 31, the Lord says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. That is a promise. Jesus, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to be with you always. God is telling you today, if you're hurting, if you feel scared, if you're overwhelmed by the tragedy you're in, I am with you. That's all we can tell Declan. But God can tell us more. He suddenly wants to know is, I know how you feel. I've never lost my eyesight. Can you imagine if you've never done that? But God says, I know how you feel. I know when you're tested. I, I, know, I know when you're going through struggles. In Hebrews 4, here's a message about Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with your weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. And he is without sin and puts him in a position to save us from our sin. But God's word is reminding us that he knows how we feel. Maybe you've lost a loved one. God knows what that's like through Jesus. He knows, he knows all the, the things that your, your heart and your mind have been through. And he says, I understand. And he also says this, I will help you. If you need help today, you, you need to admit it. You need to say, God, I, I need your help. And here's what he says in Romans 8, 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Here, here's the beautiful thing. God is with us always through the Spirit. And the Spirit says, I'm going to help you in your moment of weakness, in your moment of struggle, in your moment of pain. I will help you. And here's the final thing that God says that I couldn't tell Declan is I've got this. This is what God wants you to hear today. He's got this through Jesus Christ. Look at Romans 8. Despite all these things, whatever you want to throw at God, say, God, why is this so bad? Why is this not taken care of? And God says, I got this. Despite all these things, overwhelmingly uh, victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. Now, this is that same verse that some says we are, some translations say we are more than conquerors. For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. You can also throw in there any type of evil. Neither the fears for today nor the worries for about tomorrow. But even the powers of hell can, for not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. So you're like, God, if you're this good, why are things so bad? Whatever is the worst thing you can imagine, it has no chance to separate you from God's love. God is saying, I'm with you. I know your pain. I will help you. And I got this. Remember I shared with you what Jesus said about trouble. He says, in this world, you'll have trouble. But he didn't stop there. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
He says, I got this. I've overcome the world. And he's done that by dying on the cross. Uh, and he celebrated his victory of, of over death through life and over sin through the forgiveness of sin because of what he's done for us. And with Christ, the hope we have, it changes everything. Maybe you're here today, and I know many of you are, and you're going through a tough time. And you're like, man, my faith is really tested because I don't know if I can trust God. You can trust him. There may be pain, but there will be a moment where he, he takes all that pain away. He'll wipe away every tear, and there'll be no more sadness. There'll be no more death. But until that point, we've got to trust him. And you're not alone. Today, I would ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing a song to declare our faith and trust in him. If you would like uh, to have someone pray about uh, something difficult, Dee and I would love to pray with you. Maybe you could just turn to someone that you're here with today and say, hey, can we pray? But I want to share with you, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, there will be a day where you're overwhelmed. There will be a day where death comes knocking and there will be no more hope beyond this world because you have not placed your trust in him. So if you need to do that today, I, I encourage you to take a step of faith and say, I, I need to trust Jesus with all my life. By the way, if you know Declan, he has good vision today. He's a strong young man, but there was, there was a few moments where I was like, God, what are you doing? You know, one thing we left out that we did a lot of praying during that ride to Kankakee. Man, we, we, if you've got something you're hurt on today, give it to him. Pray about it. Put it him. Put whatever that problem is, that, that boy or girl, that, that relationship, that, that thing that's overwhelming you, put it in God's hands. And there's no other better way to, to deal with that burden. Father in heaven, I thank you for the way you've answered prayers and the way you've sometimes not answered prayers. Father, let us trust you more. That you are good. And you've made a way for us to have a great relationship, a perfect relationship with you through Jesus. And we rest in that today. In Jesus' name, amen.